I raised and raced homing pigeons as a sport. It's an actual competitive sport. Welcome everyone to the Driving Vision Podcast brought to you by the Ziegler Auto Group. And here with me, Auto Group Director of Talent Development, Mike Van Ryan. Welcome, Mike. Hey, thanks, Sam. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, like it if you do, and leave a comment. This week's Driving Vision podcast is a story of time and consistency. A decade is truly a long time. It's 10 years, as we know. Doing something consistently for a decade is difficult. Unprecedented, perhaps, is the best way to describe today's story. The Ziegler Auto Group and Team Ziegler across the Chicagoland have been recognized as one of Chicago's best and brightest companies to work for by the National Association of Business Resources. They've been so recognized every year and each year for the past decade. Today, we sit down with members of Team Ziegler in the Chicagoland at Orland Park BMW to learn more about the recognition, the team values, and culture that have resulted in the decades-long annual acknowledgement. We go there now. Will O'Hara, it's exciting to be here with you and your team to celebrate this Best and Brightest Award and a win for the Chicagoland. Introduce, if you would, the team from your store that's here with us today. Yeah, so the two guys I got here. So Joe DiGiovanni is our sales manager here at BMW. And uh, Kevin Nodder is our pre-owned director for the Orland Park campus. So these guys have been with us for a while. It's been uh, been a lot of fun. You both have had big jobs this past year, in fact, right? Oh, so yeah. congratulations, Mike. Do you want to say a few words about the award before we go into the interview? Yeah, just excited for all of Team Ziegler to uh, once again be a recipient of the best and brightest companies to work for. Ten years in a row for the Chicagoland area, two years in a row for Wisconsin region in 17 years, believe it or not, in West Michigan. So congratulations to all our teams out there. So not only do we have Mike Van Ryan, we've got Lindsay Latsko, hot off the uh, Jim Craig uh, tour. So uh, welcome. We're excited to have you with us here. So, uh, you know, when you think of the Best and Brightest Award and you think of used cars and you think of last year, like it's been a challenging year. Oh, it's, it's definitely a dance. So what would you say is your biggest adversity overcome in the last year when you think about uh, winning best and brightest and that recognition? You know, it's, it's one of the things with uh, our team, you know, we have a, a good group of people who have been here a long time. Yeah. So even though right now used cars, having inventory is down, it's, it's incredibly challenging. We've been able to turn our inventory at an incredible rate. And that's really because of the people we have behind us. And Joe DiGiovanni and our salespeople have just done a fantastic job doing more with less. In fact, I want to say something. This store where we sit right now is the most disciplined on used cars of any store we have across the group. At a time when we went through a shortage, we went through an excess, prices went down and up and down and up. How do you deal with that in used cars and plan for the future when the market is so volatile? You know, it, it's, it goes back to team. So Will and Dan... Me and our whole team, we sit together and discuss things. And do you want to pay this? And even though you know when you bring it to market, it's going to be extremely tight or there's no margin there at all. Or do we want to play the game and just, you know, work every hour, every day to try to figure out ways to find a profit? Yeah. And the best part about it is even, you know, Will, you know, probably what, five days a week is out buying cars too. Yeah, trying. General manager Will buying cars. Trying to find deals. If yeah. I find them, I'm buying them. Knife. There we go. And that's the idea. When everybody's thrown in, it yeah. makes it a lot easier. Yeah. So it's interesting. There's some tools that we have within the auto group to help uh, bring about that discipline that you guys have had uh, from day one. So congratulations. When you think about used cars, Joe, and you think about providing an ultimate automotive experience to every single one of your customers, what sets this part store apart from other stores in the way you deliver? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we're in a market right now where there is a shortage of used cars. So whenever you have the car, it's really about the experience at that point. You know, they're coming to you for a reason. They're coming to you because you have a car no one else has. Yeah. So it's really about setting the tone, you know, from from the start with that client about just the experience and them. Yeah. As they walk in the boat. How'd you get in the car business, Joe? I was actually uh, in, I was a porter actually at uh, a dealership locally here in Frankfurt and just kind of worked my way up the, the ranks there. And I got in here with Dan and Kevin about five years ago. So, yeah. A porter. It's a porter. That's how I started. Yeah. That's a good start. A great start. You learn a lot. How'd you start, Kevin? Uh, actually, I blew my shoulder out. I was a union plumber, and it was, there was lack of options. Dan Basic had just got into business and was doing extremely well. And so uh, the nice thing about this was is I was able to uh, shine in an interview. 
So jumped in and now it's, uh, that was 2007. So it was the best thing I ever did. So what I hear you say is that you fooled them in the interview. There's no doubt. <laughs> I was able to sell before I knew how to sell. So I said shine. Yeah. 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 Shine. shine. So often on the podcast, we hear that the auto industry is the last great American industry full of opportunity for those who are willing to work hard. Do you agree? I couldn't agree more. Th thoughts on that. What does it mean to you to be part of this industry? You know, this is one of these businesses where everybody has to put in your time. You only get what you put in. And if you're putting in more time than everybody else and you actually enjoy it, it doesn't feel like you're working too much. You're, you know, it's my, my wife often tells me, she, you know, you came home late and, you know, we have the conversation and she goes, I wish I could tell you, like, you came home upset or uh, that you had to work late. I love it. Yeah. It's something that you live for. And if you really enjoy it, and, and this business is easy to enjoy, if you, you're surrounded by good people and the support that we have here, it becomes fun. It's yeah. not work. Yeah. That's a great point. When you're engaged in something that 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 you enjoy, like, you, you, you take on a whole different demeanor. And, and you are you're different with, with it. Yeah, you're obsessed <laughs> with it, Lindsay. That's a great answer to that. Well, how'd you start? Oh, well, I, uh, I, it's like, it's like these guys, you know, I started, you fooled uh, someone that I fooled somebody <laughs> happening to my father. I think actually, uh, <laughs> I started at his store, uh, as a porter washing cars. That's where I started. Um, when I was 14. And then, uh, when I was, uh, late in high school and, and early college, I was back in this event back in 04 and 05 started when the internet department actually started way back where we used to get, we used to get the leads from, if anybody remembers from the cobalt CRM from way, way back that came out on a, I mean, it was just like a sheet of paper with, you know, basically looked like it was like dot matrix. It was bad. Um, so old Mike. Yeah. And, and I uh, would take pictures of the cars and put them online. And that's kind of what I did when I was, uh, when I was younger, got in the business. And then, yeah. uh, you know, from there, you know, transitioned, uh, did a couple other things and then got back in the business, you know, believe it or not coming up, uh, I was nine years this past uh, February. Here that's awesome. Group, Congratulations. So. Almost your 10th. Sure. Now, listen, you can't tell a story like that without me sharing mine. So sure. when I started, uh, you remember fax paper, <laughs> the only way we could see a credit bureau is if we put this weird fax paper into the special machine that would spit out the, uh, and it wasn't fax. It was just a weird machine right. uh, back in the early nineties, late eighties. So uh, it is amazing and astounding how quickly technology has evolved this industry from, you know, being able, we were so excited to be able to pull a credit bureau to now right. leads coming to now, really, we have a brick and mortar place, but part of what we do is creating an ultimate experience, not only in the brick and mortar, but where else? It's online. online. Yep. It's digitally. It's yep. virtually, right? And Lindsay, that kind of leads to you. How did you yes. start in the business? So I started as a part-time intern on Mike's team. Um, is this true, Mike? This is very true. <laughs> very true. I was in my last trimester at uh, DePaul. And yeah, started as an intern and worked with Will's wife and um, started part-time, then became full-time, and then just transitioned to different positions. And now I've been here eight years. That's awesome. So, yeah, Today great. you led your first Jim Craig call. Yes. Was your wife your wife when Lindsay uh, and she first met or uh, did uh, you uh, get married after you met here at Ziegler? Let's see. We were, <laughs> no, we were, we were engaged. Right, well, when, let's see. Yeah, we were engaged. We got married the year after I think Lindsay and Jen met. So, but did you meet at work? Uh, no, no, we did not. We met, we okay. met before we okay. met before in Michigan. Okay. Yeah. We were, we were together before here because we've talked a lot about family here today. So there's something unique about team Ziegler where we hold that family value, that family ethic in high regard. A lot of team members are actual family and then others become family or others feel like family. What is it Mike about family that sets team Ziegler apart? Well, it's just so important and it ties in with our uh, our vision, right? To uh, our family, providing your family the ultimate automotive experience. And it's in-house with all of our team members, but it's also with our customers as well. So I think it's just really, really neat to be able to work with family. And I have that firsthand being able to work with my son, Nate. And I know, Will, you have that with your dad. Yep, absolutely. It's just special. Yeah. It's special. Mm -hmm. I feel left out. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, You're do you have family, family that works here? Yeah. Do you have do you guys have family that works here? I do. You I, do? I, Who's I do. your family? Dan Basic is my cousin. We grew up on the same block. Wait, Dan Basic is your cousin? Yeah, they're cousins. Oh, yeah. that explains so much. Yeah. 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 <laughs> relationship. There's no doubt about that. Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. My cross to bear. But uh no, Dan's fantastic. But uh 
the assistant used car manager for the three stores. Dan has such beautiful hair. Yeah. <laughs> I got to work that. Yeah. Fill it in a little bit. No, it's, uh, it's great. The assistant used car manager for the three stores is actually my niece. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things she worked out fantastic. The used car manager at uh, in Nissan, yep. his family as well. Yep. Wow. It's uh, it's one of those things. And half of our team, management team, either I grew up with or I worked with for, you know, 10 plus years before I started here. Right. So it's a great dynamic. So I've been in businesses. Let's see if we can relate to this where you say, hey, I would never bring family into this, right? Like uh, over my dead body, would I bring a friend, let alone family? Fair, Will? Fair. It depends though. I mean, some people say, hey, you know what? I have that family member that you would definitely not want to work yeah. with because it's just not going to be good, right? <laughs> and then there's other, you've all been to those holiday parties where you know, like, hey, we put these two family members in a room, it's all bad, right? Yeah, like, you yeah. know, here the drinks are flying and next yeah. thing you know, they're fighting, but yeah. um, no, but when you have, you know, uh, you know, I'll use the, the, the relationship, you know, my father and I have being able to, you know, follow in his footsteps and his 40 years in the business. And he's taught me so much, especially about people and, and, and how to be a great leader and, and train and develop and, and have compassion and passion for the business and, and the people that he's developed. I mean, that's huge. I mean, you can't, you know, having that relationship is, is taught me so much and how I've done so well. Like that's almost like something you can't, you can't teach unless you have, you know, you have that family member that's there. It's just, it's a unique experience. No one else has. Your dad called you a peer in an interview, uh, Lindsay and I did at Mercedes Benz. That's a pretty high compliment for <laughs> sure. a son with a dad working and you're really, uh, in a lot of ways, counterparts competing, right? Yeah. Well, we're both very competitive, so uh, it's uh, you know it's it's good to be in the. I, I think I think for him, you know, me me being here and us being able to compete a little bit with you know some competing brands and even similar brands keeps him you know on edge and keeps him motivated and keeps him going. So yeah. I, I think it's good to have that that dynamic. Absolutely. It's kindling. Yep. Yeah. So one of the things that separates Team Ziggler is our ability to celebrate success, to celebrate each other. A day like today when Lindsay shone in front of Jim Craig and got congratulatory calls after to the different things that we do on a regular basis, the year-end party. Trying to think, uh, you know, diamond drops, yeah. cheetah, cheetah lunches, uh, pride awards, yeah. legacy awards. Yeah. What are some of those things that are most meaningful to you, Joe, th that we do to mark uh, that we celebrate? Yeah, I, I absolutely love the pride award idea. You know, this that's something uh, tied in with the diamond drop that not a whole lot of uh, auto, you know, dealerships have at all. They don't have anything like that. You know, whenever we have new employees come in and, and they, they get out of the orientation and, and they have the diamond drop, they just think it's the coolest thing in the world that you acknowledge people for going above and beyond their job duties, which you don't have in this industry. Yeah. So it's really cool. By the way, you know, someone's not going to be a good match. If they go through that meeting, they see the diamond drop and they're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Right. You're kind of like, you poor guy. Like, you don't you fit know, here. You're yeah. not going to fit in. Yeah, right. There is a little bit of, you got to be able to have fun. And you got to be able to not take yourself too seriously. Uh, how do you enjoy celebrating? Well, you know, the Pride Award, the different ways they, they recognize employees is unbelievable. I worked for another store for almost 10 years. and uh, With really, Dan or without Dan? Uh, for about eight years with Dan. Okay, very good. And uh, it was one of those things that uh, I learned a lot, a lot of great training and things of this nature. But they were pretty horrible to their employees. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I look back on that now and the amount of dedication and everything you put in, there was no recognition when you did something right, but they definitely recognized when you did when something you did wrong. wrong. Yeah. And to coming to this group, you can't help but be proud and, and, and enjoy yeah. being part of it. Yeah. What are some of the, your favorite celebrations, uh, Lindsay? And then we'll... I, I love the Pride Awards. Um, I've been fortunate to win one and it feels great. And then just to see my peers win them as well. They, I mean, some people just are blown away and the excitement and the, and how proud they get of it is, uh, is really great to see. You know, it's kind of an, an endorsement that we don't, uh, and Mike's taught me this. You're a great example of it. We actually don't recognize each other enough as human beings in the world, right? Like, especially A-type personalities that are super aggressive, they're out to mm -hmm. conquer the world. Sometimes we forget to say thank you a little bit, right? Well, right. absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, uh, you know, recognition in any business is probably one of the most lack things in every industry. Yeah. I think people, uh, even when you're performing and you're doing well, like Kevin said, there's a lot of places that they don't they don't uh, recognize you for a great performance 
and then they they come down on you hard for a poor performance. And, and yet some places would say don't recognize good performance because they'll stop performing. Correct. What do you say to that? I think that's complete. That That's, in my opinion, BS, if I can say that on here, because if there's ever a podcast, you can yeah. say whatever. All right, good. Because <laughs> if there's ever a time to recognize an employee, it's hey, when they do an outstanding job or, or hit a milestone or a big achievement, the, uh, you know, the president's club for the technicians, the president's club for the sales guys. Those are big achievements. And those guys, you know, we had two sales guys that have won from here from BMW in the last two years. And those guys are like, you know, on cloud nine that they won that. Like, that's a big deal for them. And it makes them push that much harder. I mean, you know, we got a guy here that said, Hey, I want to sell 400 cars this year. Yeah. Like, I, I like I want to double what I did last year. And the customer benefits when we absolutely because right? they're motivated and they're more fired up and they're excited and they deliver a better customer experience. And when they get recognized, it gives them energy, it gives yeah. them motivation. Yeah. So it's really well said, uh, Will, because you know, recognition is a backbone, it's like a foundation for a world-class culture. And, and it's also a magnet for attracting other talent, people maybe Kevin that don't get recognized at other places want to sure. come and they want to be part of it. Absolutely. So, so I never brought my niece into another car store. I, I tell you that for a fact. It would not have happened. And here, couldn't be prouder to be part of this. And she enjoys every day here. And it's one of those things where it's all because of what has been built here between Bill and Will in this culture. And it's electric, too. I mean, you know, once someone someone gets acknowledged, you know, it makes everyone else want to, you know, take that extra step, go that extra mile. To also get acknowledged, and it really is electric, especially on the sales floor. You know, two of our guys won the President's Club, and everyone else is, you know, the first question is, who's next? Who else is going in the club? Right. So. I think the, I think the other thing that just makes our team strong here is that everybody works together, and they all got each other's backs, especially our sales guys. They're all willing to help one another out. They're all recognizing each other, um, and that's what makes this, the foundation strong is that everybody here is everybody else's back. And it is like one big family, even though we might not be family in the, in our bloodlines, we're family here in the store and we all take care of each other. And that's what makes us stronger as a team. Okay. Before we go into the lightning round, a team overcomes big adversity, right? And there's been adversity in the marketplace, particularly this past, let's say the past three years, right? Sure. What's an adversity you and your store overcame, Will, this last year to success? I mean, I mean, there's a couple. I think that, uh, you know, last year, obviously we talked a little bit about this, but the used car thing was a big deal. Um, you know, used car valuations were up 40% from, you know, the beginning of 20 through 21 and, and early 22. And those started to take a turn. And And one thing that we saw was like, hey, we want to get dialed in on this. And we want to get uh, real strict on our on our inventory. And we did that. And it benefited us last year. Um, probably the other thing is on the new car side is the market's been changing. And there's more supply coming out. We're, we're trying to be more aggressive on keeping our volume up and turning cars and, and being ahead of everybody else. Because if you're stuck in the mindset you were two years ago, yeah. things have changed you're since done. then. You're yeah. done. Like if you're still in that mindset, it's not going to work now. So we got to be ahead of the curve. And I think our group... We got a lot of talented people that will keep going forward and keep changing as the market changes. So who for you besides your dad, I'll take him away. Sure. Who besides your dad is a mentor that you turn to, 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 because part of change is being able to adapt quickly. You've got to have some confidence as a leader. And so uh, seeing a different perspective is crucial. Who, who do you turn to as a mentor? Oh man, there's, there's, there's a couple, I will say this, this is interesting. So Jim Craig and I have had a couple of conversations, you know, years, some of the conversations that we've had, he's kind of changed my perspective on things and probably made me, uh, you know, th- think that sometimes when I'm thinking one thing, maybe I don't have always the confidence. He's like, you're right. You got to keep going in that direction. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that perspective that, that you have that maybe no one else is looking at, you're going to, you're going to be right. No one's thinking that way. And you're thinking abstract. You're thinking somebody that no one else is thinking. That's a good thing. So I I'd definitely say he's, you know, some of the th- things that he's told me and conversations I've had with him definitely changed my perspective. We talked about that today in the Jim Craig conversation, right? With the circle mm-hmm. of, uh, I want to say circle of trust, but that's not what it is. The <laughs> inner, circle of inner circle, inner circle. Yeah. like just because you're a dissenting voice or a different voice doesn't mean you're wrong. Like, right it's an opportunity to kind of uh, learn to sell your perspective and explain your perspective because sure. you could be right. in in this case, as right. a result, the declining vehicle uh, values for that portion of time sure. ended up being right. And then those came back up and sure. you probably didn't even predict that. Right. No, you're right about that. But, but that's the thing that the marketplace is changing fast. And we go back to kind of some, some of the things we talked about in the Jim Craig call today with Lindsay was look, you got to have people in that, in, in your inner circle that are, 
that are in different industries yeah. so we can see what's going on. And, you know, uh, one of the guys that that I had on my list of people in Manor Circle is in the mortgage industry. Mm-hmm. So I saw him, you know, a few weeks ago and we're just talking, hey, how's the business? Like, what's changing that? Sure, well, rates are here. You know, what's going on with housing? What does that look like? You know, are, are people still paying over list in certain markets? Just to try and get a perspective. It's like, what other markets, what other, what else is going on in the economy that can broaden our perspective? And how can we use that in our business to make us better and us adapt for something we might not even see in our own industry? Yeah. So interesting. Okay. Lightning round. Unless Mike, do you have a question? No, go ahead. Okay. Lightning round. If, if you could have anything as a hobby, but maybe don't, <laughs> what would that hobby be? Mike, you first. That's a tough one. <laughs> and why? <laughs> hobby anything is a hobby all right i'm gonna go with this one all right i'm gonna say this if i could have any hobby i'm gonna say go skiing with sam dark out in utah oh hey because that's not so far-fetched you're right it's not but i've never skied so there it is most oh you haven't i have not you probably don't want to ski with me then oh boy (laughs) i'll probably be tumbling down the hill yeah what if paltrow came out and she didn't enjoy the experience (laughs) yeah well so yeah that that was a famous uh no i i uh i hit her after the uh after she hit the other guy but uh, oh. it was a chain they agreed not to bring me into the case oh, i'm totally that's joking that's, yeah. <laughs> uh skiing seriously would you ski uh, i would try it i've snowboarded a few times but that was tough so but it was on a hill that was very very low like, and very very why did you decide to go straight to snowboard uh, well skiing, i don't know i had some friends that i watched fall down the hill hit a couple of poles <laughs> broke their leg i was like this looks like a good idea i should try that <laughs> you know, in the car yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> Okay. So what is a hobby you do do that's that you enjoy? Oh, oh a couple. Golf is one. That's maybe more leisure summer activity. Yeah. The other would be probably racing snowmobiles in the fall, yeah. which is another uh, you know odd no hobby, question. but very very competitive. So yeah. and you enjoy that, and I very much enjoy right, that. Joe. I have to say uh, fishing. 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 Okay. Uh, you don't fish, but you would if you could yes. or want to. Yeah. Definitely. Why? Uh, just the patience behind it. You know. Just, yeah. It's not about actually fishing. It's just about being out there. Yeah. That's what I really like. Yeah. I like the idea of fishing too, but it's just the whole, the, the, it takes a lot of time. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Javi, if you could have any. I would say uh, motorcycles. And the reason why I, I, I say motorcycles is because I've had that hobby. Okay. I've crashed a couple, sometimes on the way to work. Okay. Yeah, that's good. And, so that's and he still came in with it. Still, still came I, was, I was pretty torn up when I showed up at the yeah. meeting. But nonetheless, the idea behind it is. I love that. No excuses, no explanations. We show up no matter what happens. And you showed up after well, an accident. You can't be late yeah. to the meeting. It's, a, it's one of those things. You show up. That's that reminds works. me of a scene from Anchorman where you're like, I'm pretty sure you got in a car accident. Yeah. <laughs> probably yeah. go. Yeah. Go to the Check in at the hospital. All right, Mike Van Wright. I got mine now. So I've always seen those kite surfers down in Florida. I think that would be oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like, never yeah. tried it. Yeah. Looks like a rush. Yeah. yeah. Lindsay Latska. Mine would be it's kind of lame, but bike riding. Very cool. Like yeah. uh motorcycle or regular bike? No, regular bike. Like mount like mountain bikes. Like I okay. Yeah. And what's stopping you from doing that? I hate riding bicycles. It's really hard. <laughs> but that I love my favorite answer. Yeah. If you it's could really do it, hard. what would you do? I'd ride a bike. Why don't you? Because I hate it. Yeah, yeah right. It's hard, but I think it's so cool if you could ride a bike through mountains and just be out in nature. Like I think so, the idea of it is really cool. So I have a solution for you. E-bike. What, like a Peloton? An electric bike. Oh. Go buy an electric assisted, bike. Assisted it pedaling. will change your world. Now, there are snobs on the trails. Because I do road biking that will look down at you, but they look down at you as you fly past them. So okay with that. make sure you wear the helmet. Have you ever e-biked? It's I have not, but it, I don't even know that it really existed. So actually, don't ski because that would be dangerous for you, Will. Yeah, sure. Let's all get e-bikes and we'll... Uh, you actually, yeah. you can get on the ski lift. My kids are probably laughing right now because they're like, there's no way you'd survive this. But you can get on the ski lift at Deer Valley, uh, get rental bikes. They give you uh, a helmet... Full body padding. And you they don't take, tell me you go down the hill. They take you to oh, the top no. of the hill. Oh, no. And there's, there's special there's downhill down. bikes. And you just like, you just like. You tumble down. Yeah. 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 Sounds dangerous. So I don't know, Mike. I feel like that should be our next retreat here. It's a it celebration be. for best and brightest. Building. I yeah, like it. Yeah. Your, your Vespa has got to be like an e-bike. Isn't yeah. It? yeah, pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see yeah. you take that Vespa down the mountain. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh, so the, the electric bike is more reliable. I will tell you this on EVs. The electric bike is a more reliable delivery. Here's of, my uh, question, uh, though. If you gas. have an electric bike, are there charging stations that you can stop at and charge your bike? 
No. Okay. Well, <laughs> so actually one funny story and then we'll, so I actually took an electric road bike with a dealer client way back when I started road biking in Vegas in 105 degree heat to the hills of Las Vegas. When we showed up at the rental facility, the guy's like, so how often do you ride? And this was a decade ago and I hadn't ridden much. I said, not much, but I'll be okay. He's like, I don't know. We rode 50 miles that day. And the battery died. Oh. And guess what? Oh. Electric bikes, when the battery dies, are heavy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yes, they are. I almost died. So do be careful with that. Yeah. So, okay. all right, Mike, last word. Well, on behalf of the organization, just want to say congratulations to all of our team Ziegler uh, employees and team members. Thank you for everything you do for our customers. Thank you for everything you do to continually build our world-class culture. Congratulations on this award. Nicely done, BMW Oil Park. Thanks, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is part two. We're sitting in the training room at Orland Park BMW with the entire team. Cheryl Procarion with Orland Park BMW, but also like controller extraordinaire. Sure. Cheryl, what's your what's your title? Um, corporate controller. Corporate controller. Fantastic. Brian Coster, fixed ops director on the Hill. Yes, sir. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You know what? Sometimes I get the uh, titles completely wrong and then it creates problems later. So here we are, Orland Park BMW, live in their conference room, talking with Cheryl and Brian about what it is that brought this store as a participant in the best and brightest. So Cheryl, we just had the Jim Craig call today. Yes, we did. We were talking about inner circle. This is a pretty open-ended question. Okay. But what is one thing you can think of that contributes to us winning best and brightest every single year here at BMW. So when I talk to people about Ziegler and they they ask, oh, you're the best, why are you the best? I have an answer. So when you talk to other people in car dealerships and they say, oh no, we're really great. And you say, why? They just sit there. So I have an answer. It's because we continuously, like Mike said, we continuously improve. So we don't care about what we did last month or last year. We care about what we're doing today. And we have the level ex- expectation goes up every time you achieve it. There is no relaxation yeah. as far as like, oh, we did it. We're done. Yeah. We just keep going. And every expectation is high standards and it just keeps going up. So you know what? As you say that, something that goes through my mind, I worked for Saturn. When I first got in the car business back in the early 90s, I would bang on the side of the car, jump up and down. We gave a great delivery experience. Continuous improvement was part of their philosophy. They continuously improved into nothing, right? Like they went out of business over continuous improvement. What is the difference about Team Ziggler where we actually execute on that promise? We truly, truly do it. And we focus on the doing more than just the talk versus other companies like, I mean, I hate to pick on Saturn because that was probably not the dealer's <laughs> fault I worked for, but compared to other businesses that just develop themselves out of business. You, Sam, you're kind of dating yourself. I will note that. <laughs> I am dating myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it's the level of expertise. It's the culture. It's yeah. these opportunities that Aaron gives yeah. and, you know, with these speakers, the Jim Craig leadership training, yeah. the Ziegler University that Araya is heading up, yeah. all these different platforms you have at your disposal to improve yourself, which improves your department, improves your team yeah. development. All that just goes a long way. Instead of getting somebody into their job, plugging them in, letting them work, we develop each other and you know, continues to develop the dealership as a whole and the Zag group. It makes me think of the interview we did several weeks ago at Mercedes-Benz, where one of the team members from the office actually had to go away to see that, to understand the difference. We've all been to other dealer groups, so we see it, we value it, and we're able to contribute to that difference a little bit. Brian, great answer from Cheryl. Now the heat's on you. What's one thing that separates uh, your team, your area, and sets apart Ziegler Auto Group as one of the best and brightest in the country? What I like to think is, is that we keep advancing. We keep going that extra mile for our guests. But like Cheryl said, to piggyback her, we always keep learning. We never just stop. We we always keep pushing it to the next level. And with the tools that we're given from Ziegler Auto Group, it takes us to that next level. It brings us to that next plateau that customers just don't expect. Okay. One thing, Cheryl, before Mike asks a question, one thing most people don't know about you that would surprise people on Team Ziggler or anywhere across the country listening to this podcast. So Brian already does know this, but (laughs) (laughs) something funny. When I was a teenager, I raised and raced homing pigeons. What? As a sport. It's an actual competitive sport. So I I, um, shared this yesterday in the um, Z-Force meeting that we had. Yeah. yeah, You raised and raced. I get raised. Uh, (laughs) 
I wow. here's what I don't get about homing pigeons. I have a dog and I'm eternally concerned that the dog is going to get out of the house and never come back. Pigeons, <laughs> pigeons, you just set them free and they somehow come back. Yes, they they know their home and they come back to you. What drew so, you into pigeons? My stepdad, who is my dad by name, and yeah. he um, came into our lives and he it was something he did and he thought he'd share it with us. And I just clung on to it. And I love the animals anyway. So raising them and taking care of them and then getting to compete yeah. was pretty fun. You know, I couldn't fly myself. So, Hey, <laughs> hey, I love it. Have you continued that tradition with your own, with your uh, daughter? Unfortunately, I live in a suburban. Can't do it. And you cannot have pigeons. Interesting. As, yes. Interesting. Did yes. you know this, Brian, about Cheryl? I just found it out yesterday at the uh, Z-Force <laughs> meeting. So yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So what kind of pet do you have now? I have a dog. A dog, right? yeah. yeah. Right. We lived on a farm, so we had a lot of pets. Okay. So. Okay, you can do that on a farm. Yes. All right, Brian. And then we're going to ask Mike, too. We got to find out what Mike's, uh, <laughs> what most people don't know about Mike, Brian. So I, I like Cheryl, I, I said this yesterday at our Z-Force meeting, and uh, I was going through some old memorabilia, like trophies and stuff like that the other day, yeah. and I came across uh, a track award that I had got. And it was in high school, but uh, I ran the 440 in 49.3 seconds, oh, wow. which was a pretty good record That's back really then. really good. Yeah. He was yeah. on a moped, he said. Oh, okay. That yeah, I was on a moped where everybody was following You were me. not running on foot. <laughs> yeah. So what got you into track as a kid? Like, uh, it was just off season. I played football and okay. then, uh, it was off season. So I ran track just to stay in shape and um, I should have stayed with it. That would have been my bread and butter through college. But, yeah. you know, like everybody not. else, I had to play football. And, yeah. yeah. You know, so, it's interesting how back... When we were all, I mean, you're younger than I am, but when we were all kids, you could actually do multiple sports and you had a decent shot at being able to play them all. Yeah. Nowadays, you can't. Like, if you're going to do track, you got to do that all year. If you're going to do football, you got to do that all year. We, we kind of miss out a little bit on having to specialize that young, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. In fact, it makes me think, Cheryl, what you talked about, our strength at Team Ziggler, where we are exposed to things outside of the auto industry and we exercise muscles most people in the car industry don't do. That's part of our strength, right? Uh, right? Most dealers would not spend time and money and resources on programs like Jim Craig or a lot of the things that Mike Van Ryan, you do, right? It, focusing and recruiting and training in that sure. entire department. All right, Mike, what's something most people don't know about you? Well, something a lot of people <laughs> don't know is years and years ago, I learned the craft of stained glass windows. Ooh. And I actually created several large stained glass windows uh, for my house. And I've given uh, some as gifts as well. Wow. So stained glass, it actually takes a lot of patience. How do you, I get the blowing glass because I saw that on Ghost. Oh no, that wasn't Ghost. That was pottery. <laughs> what did, there's a movie where they stain glass and I can't remember, but how do you stain the glass? I get blowing glass. I don't get staining it. Well, stained glass is you're, you're buying actually big pieces of glass that are different colors or different patterns. You're so, cutting it and then you're soldering it together actually to create like a, a big mosaic, like a big stained glass window or I see. or thing like that. So that's got to take extraordinary patience. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. Extraordinary patience. Yeah. yeah. A lot of time. And a lot of time as well. That's awesome. What yeah. got you into that? It was my father-in-law before he passed away. It was something that he... Uh, had a passion for and he was very very good at it and i was able to work many many hours with him and learn that craft from him and so now hopefully i'm able to pass that on to another generation as well i'm so motivated i'm so inspired by that like that whole idea of teaching a skill down the generations isn't something that is done a lot anymore cheryl yeah. that sort of happened with you with pigeons but you stopped it <laughs> I had to stop by living it, in the city yeah. uh that's pretty cool mike yeah it's pretty cool so yeah. i'll show you uh, i'll show you guys some pictures of them sometime Cheryl, did any of your did did any of your pigeons go through any stained glass windows back in the day? Probably, they would come home pretty beat up. Sometimes. They would. They hit wires and yeah, yeah, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> Mike, you have a question for us. I do. You know, great, great companies and awesome world class cultures create opportunities for their employees, right? Things for them to look forward to. So, I guess I'll throw it out to Brian and Cheryl. What, what's something maybe that you personally both look forward to experiencing at Team Ziegler? Well, I always look forward to our leadership um, Jim Craig calls. Okay. And I look forward to the in-person ones, even though I might not be involved being in here. I get to see Jim and Aaron come in. So I always look forward to them. I always Jim's to me is a great leader. He's a really good um mentor. Yeah. And he really, you know, he says what he means. And which I like a lot of our speakers because of that, like Tom Izzo's another one of my favorite because he tells you 
exactly what he means and yeah. you don't have to think like what's he talking about yeah. you know yeah. exactly what he means when he yeah. talks so yeah. i look forward to those speakers that really speak their passion speak their minds and don't i guess sugarcoat it yeah they don't tell you what you want to hear they tell you what needs to be said so great, great example cheryl and an opportunity that you've had the two experience leading uh, Jim Craig yes. or Gold Medal Strategies Workshop. So you've experienced mm -hmm. that and many others have as well. So a great opportunity that many of us look forward to, to continue our growth and development as leaders. Ryan, how about you? I agree with Cheryl. I, I honestly enjoy the Jim Craig calls. Um, I've, I've never spoken in one yet. I'm going to make it a point this year to speak in one. Um, Sam, we're going to hold him to that goal. Well, You're yep, up. Yep. Mike, Mike, Mike so, can arrange that. <laughs> um, I, I, I like the uh, universities personally. I okay. take yeah. a lot out of them, the Tim Tarantine ones. Um, anything that we did during COVID, the guest speakers and stuff like that. But I enjoy the fact of giving the other employees with us the opportunity to be a part of that, which is nice because they can experience that as well as myself. And Brian did a great job a few months ago coming into Chicago and speaking to 25 of our aspiring leaders on that workshop course. And I uh, did a great job with that as well. So thanks, Brian. Thank you. I have one more quick question, Sam, yeah. for the crew here. You know, Team Ziegler, we all have individual cultures at our dealerships, but we're all founded in our same values as an organization, the way we treat our customers, but the way we treat each other. So what's maybe something unique that your store here, Orland Park BMW does culture-wise for your team members or maybe for employees? Something unique? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure on something unique. We rib each other a lot. <laughs> so We do yeah. raz each other a lot. That's for sure. Can, can I share one thing that I see as I come up, up here? Yeah. So you, the office in particular, as you come up to the second story, you've always got those vision boards out, oh, on the wall, which I think is pretty cool. That inspires me. And you celebrate a little bit of life by having cool and interesting things up and around you. Always makes it fun to come into this building and, uh, and, and, and to visit here. Um, and then it's interesting, Mike, the other thing I'd say, we talk all about this culture stuff. We talk all about, you know, Jim Craig, Tim Tarantine. Some of that stuff is is tough because it's like, how does that translate into car sales? So I always ask, do we have high expectations for results in sales? And the answer is yes. Yes. And in fact, higher than a lot of other groups. So born of that culture is a commitment to uh, to execution that is second to none. I'm always amazed and curious, how can we spend so much time on culture and yet so far execute above and beyond everybody else? Cheryl, what's your take on that? See, so you put me on the spot here. <laughs> you were thinking, I could see I it. No, I was thinking, and now I'm completely stumped. So ask, ask the question. That's okay. One more so, time. So we spend a ton of time on culture. Expectation for execution is super high. How do you make sense of those two competing uh like culture takes a lot of time and it's not spent trying to figure out how to sell a car. It's spent figuring out how we work together, what our values are, the type of experience we want to create. How does culture translate into such high execution? Okay. Well, but your, your values are your execution. Like if okay. you, if your values fall to the wayside and you're just selling cars out of just pure profit, yeah, it's going to catch up to you and you're not going to be able to sustain that. So to sustain your sales and your, you have to sustain your high values and your yeah. culture. So that will catch up to you. You're not going to get valuable salespeople, valuable staff. There's a there. lot of examples though, of auto dealerships all across the world that will do anything to sell anything. And they throw those values aside. But what you're saying is, is that doesn't last. Correct. And I think that's last. true, right? Yes. Brian, yeah. what's your take? No, I agree. But I think the standards, especially here in Orland Park, that they set amongst everybody, it brings us to that elite status. Yeah. And I think by having those morals and those values, it just makes the guys sell more cars. You just see yeah. it every day. Yeah. And I, I'm not in sales, I'm in service, but you just watch the electricity when you come into these stores. And because our GM, uh, Will O'Hara, Dan Basic, all the guys, they just set that elite standard and what's expected out of us, everybody's suit to follow. They know yeah. what's expected of them and they take it to that next level. Now, something that does make us different is in a lot of auto groups, family is not encouraged to work together. It's called nepotism. Right. We've talked about it on other podcasts. Uh, nepotism is something that's embraced and encouraged and, and loved here, right? We have a lot of people that are family. And in fact, you mentioned your GM, Will O'Hara. His dad was on the podcast several weeks ago, Bill O'Hara. He's the GM VP at JLR and at Mercedes-Benz and Infinity. Do they compete at all? So when we talk about execution? 
I would say so. Yeah. Yes. Cheryl, have you ever seen Will competing with Bill? Absolutely. Right, Will? <laughs> <laughs> now we're joking because Will's in the back of the room, but but in all seriousness, we are the but but <laughs> noted, Bill. He's coming for you. Uh but talk to us about family and how some of those family relationships enrich in our relationship on Team Ziggler. So Currently, my sister has joined the Ziggler team. I didn't know that until today. Yes. How cool is so, that? So um, February, <laughs> yeah. she joined the team. So she's actually working under um, Brian as a direct supervisor. So she is um, new to the service department. It's something that's very new to her, too. She's used to me bringing home the yeah. um, dealership culture, yeah. but she's new to it. So this is something new for her, but she's um, so far thriving, I hope, and yes. <laughs> doing yeah. well. But Brian has his son here working for us we have um what does your son do i didn't know this he's an apprentice technician that is so at bmw that is so cool we have several schoonmaker brenda yes yes her son is in finance her grandson is a technician yes yes at subaru we have four brothers that work together yes the martin brothers kyle Feynman and his mother-in-law yes where else does this happen everywhere Oh, here? In Except Ziggler? Ziggler. Nowhere. No, yeah. No. It's crazy. No. And in fact, I believe there's got to be some sort of a connection between how we value team as family and family as team, right? Those, I don't want to say those lines get blurred because it sounds weird, but they sort of do, right? And it somehow makes what we do more meaningful. Yes. Any any thoughts on that? Well, you're not working for just you. You're never working for just you. It's always your family. Ooh. But this even makes your family closer because you're connected in a different way. So when you go home and you talk to your family, they're there. They, they know what you're going through or what you mean now yeah. when you come home, Yes, you know? So, and I know you have your son Yeah, and he's yeah. probably right on board with everything now, right? Yeah. He's... <laughs> yeah. My son is a finance manager in and, our Granville store. Great. And you're actually able to mentor him in a unique way in a challenging position at a challenging time as we come out of COVID, right? Yeah. No, very fortunate to uh, have that opportunity to work with him and really super proud of him and and happy to work for an organization that values that and and really takes it in and really, really ties in with this award, with our world-class culture. Cheryl, will Gia come work here eventually one day? Oh, I would hope so. And I mean, my husband was in the business for years, yeah. so it's in our blood anyway. But yes, I would yeah. hope so. She yeah. comes from two sides of the car business yeah. family. So, Well, Cheryl and Brian, to both of you, we say thank you. Mike, thank you so much for keeping the Best and Brightest Award uh, streak alive. I know it takes sure. some work by you and your entire department to make sure we apply on a regular basis. And then the results are the effects and the impact of what Cheryl, you, Brian, and the entire Team Ziggler create. So, uh, Mike, uh, last last comment. Well, I just want to thank Team Ziggler for this uh, prestigious award. And it's one that we are super, super proud of. Thanks for everything you do for our customers and for your fellow team members. So, hey, everybody, with me today is Josh Balicki, NASCAR race car driver. Josh, welcome. Sam, thank you for having me. So, Josh, you've got some exciting uh, news out of this past weekend. So, you raced at Talladega, not with the Ziggler colors, but it was DGM number 91. But this car is a special car uh, going into Talladega. What, you, you did something special at Daytona a year ago, Josh. Yeah, so we took the same exact chassis uh, that we finished ninth in last year with the Ziggler colors at Daytona, and uh, we brought it to Talladega. And uh, we knew from from that Daytona race last year that the car raced really really good. It was a it was a fast car in the race, and Talladega was no different. Talladega is the, the biggest track that we go to, a biggest circle track that we go to. It's actually 2.6 miles, whereas Daytona's 2.5 miles, so a little bit bigger. And yeah, we we uh, we started at the back. We didn't have the best qualifying effort, but like I said, this car raced and it handled really good during the race. And we dodged some some pretty insane wrecks early in the race and positioned ourselves to be there at the end and, and we were i mean we were in the lead pack and and like i said it was a fast car djm racing prepped a, a really good car and unfortunately there was a wreck with three laps to go almost two laps to go uh, a pretty big one and uh, there were cars upside down and uh, unfortunately i got collected nothing really i could do there when when you're at 195 miles per hour and you're three and four wide uh one one wrong move by the leader uh basically triggered a, a whole big wreck and Honestly, there were 15 cars involved, and, and I think seven cars or six cars couldn't finish a race, and unfortunately, wow. we were one of them, so we destroyed the car. It was a big impact, one of the bigger ones I've had in my career, 
it uh it hurt, but it so, could have been worse. There was a car upside down as I was as I was going backwards. I saw a car upside down. I'm like, well, at least I'm not that car. So take us back to the moment prior to impact. You had a conversation with your crew chief over the radio where you're like, hey, do we go for this? You know, you've got the opportunity to get a super high finish, right, in the race. And the crew chief messaged back to you, let's go for it, right? T- talk to us about that conversation. Yeah, so super speedway racing is notorious for, for big wrecks. You know, like I said, you're in a pack of three or four wide and you're just car lengths apart from each other. And I mean, inches side by side. So one car spins by itself and it, it takes out five or six or seven cars. Um, so we know that and we know we're getting close to the end of the race. We want to we want to make it to the end, but we're also in a good position to to have a really good finish. So I did. I radioed my crew chief and said, hey, you know, we're in the lead pack. We're restarting with, I think, seven or eight laps to go in 11th. Like we are right here. Are you comfortable with me where I'm at? Because I've driven for teams, small teams that have legitimately told me, we, we know you want to race but we need this car to make to the end. Like we can't have you in this main pack because if there is a crash, you're going to be in it and we can't one afford the damage and two, we can't, you know, afford not finishing the race. So I asked Mario Gosselin, our team owner said, Hey, are you comfortable with where we're at? And he said, no, we're racing. We are here to race. And (laughs) we did a great job earlier in the race. You know, we knew, we knew our, our time then was to go earlier in the race when there's 100 laps to go we made sure we weren't in that position and there were early wrecks so earlier in the race we had kind of stayed in the back and then stayed in the back of the pack um so we can at least avoid some wrecks and there were some really big wrecks that we avoided uh but then yeah with three laps to go we were right there in 11th place and fighting for a top 10 and maybe even a win i don't know um yeah unfortunately just got collected in the big one and, and it was a big one so you're racing top 10 and you get caught up in this race. You made a comment how the race, could, the the wreck could have been much worse. You were headed straight for the outer wall. And t- tell us what yeah. happened as you were headed at high speed to the outer wall in a wreck that would have been much worse than it ended up. Yeah, so I, it sounds kind of silly, but I got lucky that I got hit as I was going to the wall. So as I'm sliding up to the wall, you know, I was at the bottom of the track, you know, at 195 miles per hour on the bottom part of the track, I got spun towards the wall. And as yeah. I was going straight to the wall at 190 miles per hour, Another car came and hit my passenger side door and kind of pushed me and it took away a little bit of speed so that when I actually hit the wall, I was going a little bit slower and I hit the wall at a different angle too. So honestly, it was it was like slow motion. I remember going to the wall thinking this is going to hurt. And as a driver, the first thing you want to do when you're going towards the wall is let go of the steering wheel. And what yeah. I do is I kind of I go in baby position. I, I just kind of go like this. And I mean, you're yeah. buckled in, but either you go like this or you just kind of cover your head. And yeah. I remember looking at the wall thinking, this is going to hurt. Got to take my hands off the steering wheel. And I hit the wall and I'm like, you know, that hurt, but it didn't Not hurt as bad that as bad. Could've. And I, yeah, I'm going backwards, sliding against the wall and the car right in front of me is upside down. And I'm like, all right, well, I got to see how many cars I can pass now. I know our car is destroyed, but there's some cars that are, I mean, there's a car upside down here. Like I need to drive past him and try to get yeah. ahead of him even though we're both not going to finish, like maybe I can get a a spot or two. So I drove to pit road and during the race broadcast, they actually showed my car of me driving to pit road and the whole rear of the car was just destroyed. I mean, it looked like it was a hatchback. And I mean, the impact was so high that it actually shattered that rear glass. And what's crazy about the, the plexiglass that we use, basically bulletproof. I mean, it's made so that if a part flies off a car during a crash, at 190 miles per hour, it doesn't go through the windshield. And our glass just disintegrated, just broke. So it was pretty crazy to see the damage on the car. Unfortunately, it's uh, it's destroyed. And that chassis was was a good chassis, and it's uh, it's not going to make a comeback, I don't think. Well, so, you know, this is kind of our commemorative uh, episode for that DGM number 91 car that you finished ninth yes. at Daytona with. Glad it protected you that it wasn't as bad as it could have been. I've seen pictures, Josh. It does look like truly half a car that you're able to get it back to pit road <laughs> is insane and cool as heck. And, you know, we're glad you're safe. You actually go from here to Kansas. Uh, what's up next for you? Yeah, so next is our uh, our Ziggler.com car racing at Kansas Speedway on uh, May 7th. So that's Sunday, May 7th. I'm excited about that. Last year at Kansas, we had a pretty good run. Um, Kansas is one of my favorite mile and a half tracks, and it's really racy. So, I mean, 
some tracks, when I say racy, I mean some tracks are just follow the leader. There's only one fast lane around the racetrack. Kansas has three fast lanes around the racetrack. So yeah. uh, for us, uh, for me as a driver, it's fun to go there knowing that the race is going to be pretty good. And, and it's going to be this, the debut of that Ziggler.com number 78 car too. You know, we ran the Coda, the Coda paint scheme. You know, that was a collaboration with Ziggler Auto Group and Lojack. But this is all just Ziggler.com on, on the side. So I'm so excited to head back to Kansas, and that's next week, May 7th. Well, Josh, congratulations on quite the run at Talladega, making the news, and uh, despite totaling the car, a heck of a, a fun thing to watch. And we're excited to watch you at Kansas City Speedway again on May 7th. And to Team Ziggler, there's just a couple tickets left. I know we've got to submit to you the final list here uh, by Wednesday, May 3rd. But uh, if anyone on Team Ziggler has an interest in seeing Josh Balicki debut in the Ziggler 78 Live Fast Car, uh, reach out uh, with by email to Beth Calloward. We've got two tickets left to uh, sit atop the uh, the box. Uh, Josh Balicki, any final comments? Yeah, one thing I'm going to say is is for all the Ziggler employees that might not know what the race weekend experience is, you know, these passes that Ziggler Auto Group is offering, and, and Aaron obviously being generous enough to, to take them and, and give them to your employees, these aren't just grandstand tickets. These aren't just infield passes. These are pit passes that get you on top of the pit box behind my crew chief during the race. That's so unique. I mean, no NASCAR fan can really go and buy these passes. No NASCAR fan can buy an experience with a race team to sit behind the crew chief and the engineer during the race. These are limited to only sponsors. And for Aaron Ziegler and, and you guys to all open them up to the Ziegler employees, that's so unique. And um, it's definitely an experience. If Even if you're not a race fan, um, I've, I've had people who they've come to race and, you know, they've, they've trash-talked NASCAR before, leaving <laughs> their fans. So it's, fan. it's pretty cool to see the experience. And um, if, if uh, there's some open passes, I definitely uh, recommend taking advantage of those. Yeah, not to try to sell them because they'll certainly go fast, but it makes me think of what Tom Izzo and Mel Tucker said when they went to MIS and they saw, they said, you know, NASCAR is a great example of how everyone knows their job and does their job. And Michigan yes. State actually implemented a few of NASCAR's processes into its own football program with hard cards and so cool. some other things after uh, being there at NASCAR. So Josh Balicki, uh, good luck. We're excited to see you at Kansas next up. Uh, we'll see you on social media. And there's a few of our stores that will see you in store this week, uh, in particular at our Wisconsin stores as you go through and uh, sign hero cards. So Josh Balicki, thanks for spending time with us today on the podcast. Thank you, Sam. A big thanks to all those who participated in this week's podcast, including the entire crew from Orland Park BMW, Mike Van Ryan, Araya Daniels, and Ziegler-sponsored NASCAR driver Josh Balicki. Until next week, how are you driving vision today? Today.